With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bannerman Island Recap Podcast. Just kidding. Exit interview. I keep saying that. I'm so used to it. Hello, everyone. I'm Naomi Calhoun, the executive producer of Story from New York. Welcome to Thailand Podcast. I am joined, as always. Uh, he's across the border today, but he's still our beloved Chris Lord. Chris, how are you doing? Hello, I'm good. How are you guys? I'm excited. This is my first time doing an interview overseas. Uh, yes, is it overseas? <laughs> across, across, across the border. <laughs> There's a lot this of firsts that we're providing for, for you, Chris. <laughs> There's a cannabis shop across the street, guys, and every everywhere I go. Did I go okay. there? I guess you'll have to wait yeah, and see. Chris is uh, overseas. <laughs> no, Chris is Chris is in Canada. He is still with us, which we love. And we have the mayor of Ponderosa himself, the the always smiling, never, uh, never not having a good time. It's Edsel. Edsel, how are you? I love that. Never not having a good time. I appreciate that so so much. I'm glad to be here with y'all and I'm having I'm having a blast. Happy February. And you have you have the best smile, I have to say. It's Thank like you. so inviting, it's so warming, and like to see it throughout the show every time you had a happy moment, it it warms my heart. 
I appreciate that, Chris. I love that. I'm thankful a lot of that made into the first seven episodes. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Yeah, especially as the, the happy sure. moments got fewer and far between. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm glad I could provide levity. It became so much more important. No, it's been it's been so much fun to watch you. I know I've gotten a lot of feedback. A lot of people are really big fans of yours. Um, Gary, you were the top of Gary's uh, edgic Gary, for a thank long you. Time. But Edsel, let's talk. How did you find out about Survivor <laughs> New York? Oh my gosh. All right. Let me backtrack through the story. I have to give a shout out to McKenna here. So yes, I knew about Survivor New York prior to the pandemic. And so when the pandemic happened, I think it came up on my feed. It might've been my Facebook feed that one of McKenna's trivia nights apply here, do it now. And I was like, this is July, 2020. I have nothing better to do. And so I applied to the trivia night and I got casted for McKenna's original trivia night for one of the things that she does right on the side. And so I didn't do so well in that game, but I think very similar to what Chris and Naomi were picking up on. Like, I think they, the audience really appreciated my reactions and like the smiles and the charisma. I, I was very grateful for it. McKenna casted me as an all-star for the March game that she did a couple months later. And so at that point in time, I was doing the top 40 countdown on RHAP. And so around that time, I think I was at like 29 South Pacific. So I had like watched the four a quarter of the seasons and I was like, I'll do this. I have nothing better to do. And like, it's a good way to put my survivor trivia to use. Wound up doing a lot better in that game. And I was like, whoa, I need to do something with this, especially like where we are in the pandemic. And so if anything, if nothing from that game with McKenna, I just felt this like level of confidence where I was like, you know what, just go for it. Take that risk. Who cares if it's the nerdiest thing that you do? I was like a very closeted survivor fan. And, and I just took a risk. I was like, all right, I'm going to apply to Survivor New York. I've, I've known about it for quite some time. Um, you have nothing to lose by doing it. And it was just like, whoa, like, I want to see where this can get me. And then I applied. And then I remember I had that interview with, with you, Naomi. And I think at that point, I was like in Samoa or, or All Stars in the rewatch, like in the mid-20s. And I was like, if this works out well, I can probably get to the end of the countdown if I get casted. Um, and then I think you'll probably talk about it, but ultimately like, I casted it as an alternate. And so I was like, I'm going to keep that door open. But I was just very happy that one thing led to another thing and then just taking a bunch of different risks and, and really just following Survivor and rewatching it throughout the pandemic led me to now having this exit interview with y'all before Valentine's Day 2023. <laughs> 2023 a mayor we can believe in says coach love you coach yeah you miss coach i think that's so fun it's like and that's what i remember most about like your sort of application is that you kept saying like i don't really have anybody to share this with chris what do you remember i was just thinking like wow i remember like ed getting you know put to the side as an alternate and then we casted him and i had to you know all the name like on the, the nameplates for the torches, I had custom ordered all of them from my friend who made them. But I had to, she gave me like two blank ones as a just in case type of moment. So I had to like print his name on the piece of paper. I had to burn the edges. 
and I had to like gloss it over and do it all by myself. So I was like, oh, this is cool. I'll always remember this little moment that I, cause I got to do one of them and I got to do Ed's. And then okay. I think I had to do, I think I had to do Kayla's then right after that, or maybe right before, but it was kind of cool. I and I'm so that. happy. I think some of the best players to ever play Survivor New York were alternates. Mark and Louis from season three. Um, I think there was somebody from season four. I can't remember. TJ was but an alternate, else... um, but TJ. a lot of people sort of made it onto the cast later in terms of the game. So Even yeah. season six. There's a lot of great people that ended up as alternates, and I would say you're definitely one of the top ones of all time in, in LRG history, not just for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Let's take it to the whole community. <laughs> oh, I appreciate I appreciate both of you so much. To whomever had to drop out last minute and just the door opened up for the opportunity in mid-August 2021. I'm super grateful. I'm super appreciative. And I'm just appreciative to both of you for taking that chance on me. It, it really, that weekend, that whole weekend changed my life. So thank you so much. Yeah, I think if you look back, I, I don't know if I've said this to you before, is that if you look back into like, essentially, we created like a list of like 15 people. Um, this was 15 men, because we basically had the women cast. <laughs> <laughs> and we looked at the list of men and we said, okay, put a 15 down. And then let's see who overlaps in everybody's list of 15. And then let's like have a discussion. And you were always number 10. Like, it, like you had the whole list and then it'd be like Edsel. Like it was, everybody basically was like, yeah, we have this group of people and like Edsel's definitely an alter, but we want, we wish, you know, there's something that really talks about doing 18 people. And even like in my brain, I wish we could kind of do like 24, which isn't a stupid number, but it's because we say no to people that we really want in the season because we just can't have that many people there. Yeah, I can totally imagine. There's no way you could do like an Australian survivor size cast um, with all the applicants that you get. So if anything, I'm grateful for being 10 and then being bumped up to, to number nine. So yeah. thank you. For I, think, I think some of the people that were in like one or two people actually had applied before and then they applied again. And then we were kind of like, well, you know, we, we're, we're not the type of people that take, like to keep denying people over and over, especially if we really believe they have potential so it's kind of like okay well this person's already in because we know that they're a good player and we believe in them this and that so that i you know i don't like to say you're number 10 all the time i think there were some people maybe that put you for number nine or eight but it was it was so tough it was the yeah. hardest casting i think of all six seasons was wow. season five wow sure. i will say this though to add to that and this is not like a mild spoiler, but I do reference it in the final tribal. Like I do give you both a shout out where it's like, this literally has to be like the best cast assembled of all time. Like, and I think <laughs> everyone to a degree has been delivering this season. And so again, I'm just nothing but grateful for just the the effort and the, the investment you both made in terms of the casting. I think everyone delivers. So I just looked back in the Survivor New York email and uh, we sent an email about somebody dropping out. Uh, the The game is August 20th and we emailed you on August 15th. I remember that day, yeah. <laughs> and you got back to us within an hour. You were like, I'll be there. What's up? And you were sending me your clothing options as soon as possible. I was laughing so much because like, it was just like email of like shirt after shirt. You made a whole, actually, this is what you did. You made a whole Google Drive. Yep. And then you named each shirt the color that you thought it was closest to of other tribes, right? 
Yes, I remember that. You were like, this is more like a, like a, a I don't know, kind of purple. <laughs> no, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. This was, I think, like, this was actually one of my outfits that I had brought. And I was like, this is, this is um, Solana Purple from, like, Hockey On. Yeah. Like, I literally had it down to a T. Like, I'll never forget that day. I think it was, like, China in the rewatch. And I was like, oh, I got this email. Now let me put all these quotes together and see like what's going to go well. And so I'm glad you remember that detail. That, that just made me laugh. And I think that was the moment where we were like, this is perfect. Because sometimes you ask somebody to play and you're like, are they going to be into it? Are they going to be worried? And, and like, I was like, oh, no, Edsel is in. He is in. ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I only had like five days to mentally get ready for it. But again, game changing week. Sometimes it's better that way, though, you know, because if you're if you have like two or three weeks, then you start thinking, oh, maybe I sh like I don't I, I can't do this. You know, some people found out like the day before the day of that they're playing. And it's like that sort of rush just only brings excitement instead of like nerves and stuff like that. And I think that's part of the reason why some people maybe dropped beforehand because they were just so nervous and they weren't sure about things. Um, but I want to ask you. So after you get that, you know, email from us, uh, what did you do? And then talk, like to prepare and then like talk to us about like that night zero getting there and meeting everybody. Yeah, that's a good question. So I'm backtracking through mid-August 2021, right? And so I'm like just super excited and pumped that week. You know, I was like, oh, shoot, like I, I made it. Like I went through most of this rewatch and like I'm submitting all my clothes and I'm just like, getting super excited for it in a way that like, all right, like, I don't know how I'm going to do. And probability is like, I'm probably, you know, probability dictates that you're probably going to do worse and you're going to do better and win. So I went into it feeling like we have nothing to lose by, by doing this. Even if you're first out, you still have the opportunity to do this. And so I really, that whole week, just tried to stay present and grounded and have zero expectations. That was the first thing. And I think the day of, I remember finally packing and like I had ordered my sleeping bag that week and never having one and never really used one. And so I was just like ready to go. I was like, I'm pumped. And again, no expectations. And so I remember driving up to your house, Chris. And I remember like forgetting my rain jacket that was the one thing that I had forgotten I was like shit like I forgot this but is it really gonna rain I was like it's too late now I'm gonna like just hunker it down in the elements and like I remember like driving up to your house and playing winners at war in the background and I was like I'm getting pumped and I'm getting hyped for this and I knew mentally I was like I'm probably gonna be one of the last people to show up here because I just want to make like I wanted to make sure I had an opportunity to like process everything on my own, but not feel super overwhelmed with like, oh, being the first one there and waiting to like meet everybody. I was just like, nah, like I'm just gonna show up and I'm just gonna let my just natural self shine. And just when I meet all these different people, we're probably all feeling each other out at the same time too. And the other thing that was going through my head was like, I wasn't entirely sure what level of casting this would be just in the sense of like how diverse this cast would be and how diverse this group would be. And so keeping in mind, this is summer 2021, where I think just a couple of months into the pandemic or that summer, they announced that CBS was doing the 50% BIPOC initiative. I was going into it. I was like, 
there's no way there's gonna be that many people of color on the cast. Like I'll probably be the only one. I get there and I see Davey from production and I'm like, whoa, like that's cool. That's someone I look like I look like and I can identify with. And then like I go to the backyard and I'm like super impressed. I was like, whoa, there's so many people of color here. And I'm like, immediately I feel really comfortable and I find the level of solace knowing that, okay, like whatever happens, like I never thought I would be part of something that was so diverse, let alone in this community where I had no idea the types of individuals that play this game, no idea the, the types of people in terms of demographic that, that really make their ways to these things. And so I think that was the first thing that immediately caught my attention and just this level of comfort that I had where it's like, whoa, like even if you go out first to just be as, assembled as this part of this group and this cast and we're going to have a kick-ass weekend together, I just felt over the moon where I was like, I really am digging the people that are here. That's really great to hear, honestly. I think I appreciate like, cause that's something that no one's really talked about so far, you know, um, especially from that perspective as well. Um, so after you get there, you know, people are socializing. We, you find out that the game is beginning. Oh, wait, I have uh, one question, what... though. Edsel, oh, did yeah. you watch season four or season three? Did you go back and look? Oh, that's the other thing. I had not watched any of the Survivor New York seasons leading up to it. I was like, if I did, I think it was just going to get in my head. Um, so I literally went into this with no expectations of what the production value was like, what the crew would be like, what past casts had been. I really went into it as raw as possible. Like I had not watched any seasons prior. <laughs> Sorry. I kind of like that. I kind of like that because we can like knock your socks off completely. Yeah. Like, good, you know? it. I had, yeah, I, th- I think we did. <laughs> you definitely didn't know. I literally had no expectations coming into it and everything from like the tree mails to the parchment parchments to the buff, like, I was like, whoa, this really does feel like I'm on like real indie weekend survivor. And it was just like so cool. And even just like the tribal council set, the fact that there were torches, there was a a wooden parchment thing with my name on it. I was like, well, the production value here is really good. And this is really good for not having any expectations coming into it. So absolutely. I think that was the right tactic. Like if you're a first time applicant and you haven't seen Survivor New York and you just want to apply and take that risk go into it blindly like you'll have no expectations that way (laughs) i kind of like that (laughs) yeah i think this is like survivor new york is is very much an experience for people the people who want to play it um as much as we love having like people watch it and and be on youtube and all that stuff like i'm not trying to turn anybody into like an internet star you know what i mean it's really so that like you a survivor fan can have a survivor experience that's what I would say to anyone that would really consider Survivor New York or at least some version of this if you're looking to get your feet wet or if you're looking to just try out that experience. I definitely feel Survivor New York kind of replicated it to the best of its ability. And like even when I was telling my friends and my coworkers who are like not super familiar with Survivor, but they can appreciate my fandom for it. Like when I told them, like, yeah, it was a 39 hour game and it was like so kick ass. They were all like super impressed, like, whoa, like the production quality was like that good, huh? I was like, yeah, it exceeded my expectations because I didn't have any. (laughs) (laughs) 
Easy. There you go. So getting uh, back into that question, uh, what were were your initial thoughts on the Blue Tribe? The Sopas? Yeah, so it was very interesting when I think about the Blue Tribe because so it was myself, Sharif, Brianne, Kayla, Tuck, and Laura. I remember, Chris, that first night night zero you called my name first and i was like whoa this is cool i get the first buff and then you call sharif's name and then he gets the second buff and so i was very happy with at least just how when you were calling names out i was like all right these are people i can feel really comforted with and so sharif was the the first person immediately that i felt super comfortable with largely in part with our interactions just before day zero officially started. And so I remember distinct conversations with Sharif about before like all the tribe divisions, we were talking about like our relationship with Survivor. And and I had told him, yeah, like I took like a five-year layoff between All-Stars and Samoa. And I got back into Survivor with Samoa while I was in college. And so I was studying abroad at the time and I was telling Sharif, yeah, like that's kind of you know, the handsomeness of it aside, like it has a special place for me just because like that's how I re-entered Survivor. And I remember Sharif telling me something very similarly about how we watched the show and like how that was like a pivotal season for him too. And I remember him sharing that we were, like he was around the same age as me. And so I think, I say that all to say, like he was the one I felt the most connected with and most immediately comforted by just knowing, yeah. oh, okay, we watched Survivor similarly. We have a very same similar relationship with the show. He was the one I felt closely connected with. The other four that were on my tribe, I didn't talk to as much during the night zero interactions. Um, it was hard to get like a good read on the other four. And I'm sure we'll talk about like how me, Sharif, and Brianne came to be and how we came to form. But it was one of the things I looked at it in, in how, it's, how it was form, formed. And I was like, I don't feel as maybe high of an affinity here with some of the people on my tribe compared to some of the other people I had interactions with on night zero, like Stan, like Julia, like Robin, like Coach Drew, like McKenna. Um, So that was one of the things I was crossing my mind. I was like, all right, at least I have Sharif. Um, The other four can't get a quite a good pulse on yet, but let's see how this shakes out. I am here guys. Okay. That's what I thought, Chris. I I figured. Um, I think the best thing, if that's going to help with my Wi-Fi, is I'm going to stay like this. So I am a little white eyeball <laughs> for the rest of... You do uh, your thing, Christopher. I think I look good. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> um, so, Edsel, how did you feel that challenge went? Uh, you had a challenge on night zero. How was that? That was the one with the balance beam, right? Yeah. I Yes. I think at that point in time, we were trying to get our footing with it. I would have been on the camp of, I wanted to do brain. And that's largely because I knew it probably was going to be some sort of trivia thing or brain teaser thing, which I felt like I could have finagled. And knowing what I know now about how that, what would have happened and with the twitch of it all, like I would have been fully equipped to, you know, having 36 of the 40 seasons in the rewatch at that point in time with the, the RHAP countdown. Knowing what I know now, I'd have rather done that. Uh, but in the real time of what happened with the balance beam challenge, 
it was okay to me. I remember feeling like, oh, wow, like, all right, this is what we're really being tested for and trying to figure out how we work with each other. And I don't think we could have even swung it. Um, <laughs> and that part, you know, was, I guess it was foreshadowing for what happened with the remaining two challenges afterwards. Um, but I just remember feeling like, I don't know what's going to happen here. And I don't know if there's anything that's going to be hidden in the rewards or the boxes that are coming our way from this challenge. But it was one of the things when looking back on it, but also in the real time, it was like, no harm, no foul. But knowing what I know now probably would have done brain overrun. I I love that <laughs> challenge. You guys are all kind of a mess. <laughs> We're a hot mess. <laughs> I loved it. It was, it was a little awkward, but... I think it's a great challenge, really, especially since you don't know people and you have to, like, maneuver through them and work together as a team, like, fully, fully. Uh, but on a side, yeah. mm -hmm. Sorry, I just had a side note really quick because I really like this question we did last week with McKenna because uh, it kind of gets people to know you a little bit more. It's like, uh, what is your favorite Survivor season? Who's your favorite Survivor player? Especially oh. since you're sort of like a newer fan. Yeah, for sure. Favorite Survivor player of all time, you mean? Yes. Yeah, so favorite season, and I definitely had assembled these rankings from the top 40 rewatch, which was awesome. Cambodia Second Chance will always be the season that I'll go to and watch on a rainy day. Um, definitely has so much rewatchability for it, and I remember... That's a great one. That's a great one, yeah. Like, for me, the thing that I appreciate about Survivor. It's not so much the you can. I appreciate the strategy, of course, and I appreciate the the cunningness of it all. But truly, for me, it's the storytelling behind mm. the Survivor, right? And so, for me, like I'll never forget it. I really appreciated Second Chance when it aired out in the real time, just because I was like, "Whoa!" Like this is 15 years of individual stories I've followed. And to just now have these 20 people play it out a second time and they all have a common theme of like your second chance. Like as a storytell from a storytelling perspective and a character perspective, I, I just greatly appreciated it so so much. Um, I think my favorite player, survivor player of all time, probably would be Yule. And I remember citing that in our interview. Naomi. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which I I I didn't give it away, but I was like, great taste. I love Yeah, Yule. I love Yule. I think. For me, like I'll never forget it. Like I was a I was a first year in college and I was watching Survivor Cook Islands. That was my first season watching it after All Stars. And I had a black roommate at the time and we were watching like the whole racial divisions play out. And it was just so fascinating that they went in that direction where I was like, Whoa, they're really segregating these tribes by by cult by by race and ethnicity. That was so bold. But then when I look back on it and just following that season, just to have someone whose racial and ethnic background I can look up to and appreciate and identify winning that season and also just the final four representing, you know, what it, what that means for minorities and people of color. Like, the Cook Islands definitely breaks top 10 for me in terms of seasons I appreciate, but Ewell's definitely, like, favorite, contest, favorite contestant, favorite winner, and I just, like, appreciate what he stands for. Yeah. I, mean, I, I love that. I love Ewell so much. I mean, I... I got to tell you, the like, obviously, there was a global pandemic. And a lot of bad things happened. One of the worst things that ever happened was Yule getting voted out of Winners at War. And just because the <laughs> Survivor teased this relationship of Sophie Clark and Yule working together. And I said, 
this is my th- like this is my new religion. I will follow them to the end of the year. <laughs> and then he got voted out. I was like, I fucking hate this show. I was so mad. <laughs> no, I remember I remember cussing my mom out that night. He got voted out because like we were like weeks into the pandemic. And I remember my mom being like, why are you taking it so seriously? It's just a TV show. And I'm like, it's fucking Yule. Like, we haven't seen him since 2006. So I let me have my feelings right now. Um, but yeah, like, Yule stand all the way. It's so funny. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it, but I won't say who did it. But we all know somebody that helped Yule. Oh, that's right. You know who you so are. Cool. <laughs> which is so cool. Like, we know, well, actually, it's two people that helped you'll prepare for winners at war and have like daily chats with them so it's like in a small way survivor new york is connected to you'll maybe it's a shame get todd a wasn't on yeah. winners at war <laughs> yeah right have we have we told that should we tell that chris or no should we hold on to it um we can hold on to that okay we're gonna hold on I'll to it I'll tell you it's, 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 it's like still it. it's still potentials mm-hmm. um <laughs> so Edsela, day one, just getting to see Brienne get the idol clues. So, right, originally it's Laura, Kayla gets chosen, then Kayla picks Brienne. In your, you know, you just watch all these seasons. Are you going like, I know exactly what this is. This is an idol clue back at camp. What was going on for you? Yeah, I mean, you watch and rewatch Survivor so much, you kind of put that together where it's like, there's no way that's not an idol clue. Um, the thing that was going through my head, and I think that was like such a good twist to be like, all right, Kayla, we're choosing you. Now Kayla has to choose someone else. That's like a complete 180. I love that. The thing that was going through my head, and, and this the thing I want to preface first at the top of this podcast. So night zero, what viewers don't see, and of course, like, because the footage is not there, but you're hearing it from my firsthand account. Sharif pulls me and Brianne aside as after we finished that challenge, I remember. And so Sharif's like, let's do the three of us. And I'm like, I'm sold. Like of the of the six of us, like I feel the most comforted by these two people. And so that's all, to, that's all context to say, I went into the following day knowing, all right, like we at least have half of our camp together in some sort of alliance. So when that whole idol clue thingy happened, I was like, I'm trusting Brienne here, but I at least feel good that at least half of us have shored up numbers. So at least if we get to a tie or something happens, it's me, Brienne, and Sharif. So that's something I did want to preface before going to the conversation. Um, but no doubt in my mind, I was like, no, Brienne's making some sort of decision, and there's probably some idle implications behind it. Yeah, but and I feel like in your one of your biggest confessionals happened like right before tribal council, and you talk a lot about like uh, trusting Brienne and like how she was able to give the idol information as sort of like a bartering tactic. I'm not sure what you were thinking at the time. Um, do you remember when Brienne told you and like exactly the time frame that was and like how you felt about it because. It seemed like she told Sharif a lot sooner than she told you. Yeah, so this is my recollection of what happened that day. So I remember hearing it from Sharif. And I, at that point in time, we had found out that Tuck had gone through her bag. And like everyone in the camp had now found out that she had the idol. And 
to whatever happened that day, you know, Brienne wasn't very good about hiding that information. And so I remember feeling a certain type of way about like, well, why didn't Brienne tell me? And then Sharif, I remember him at some point telling me, I can't remember if it was before or after the vote he mentioned, she's been meaning to tell you, but like, we've just been, you know, so frazzled at this camp and like, we don't have the alone time to get it. This and camp's so thought, a disaster. We've been meaning to tell you. It's like a hot mess. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows it from watching this. And so I remember in the real time feeling, and I don't know if this made the air, and I remember this was one of the things that came up, but I don't think it was captured in the, the edit. I think I remember telling Brianne, like, all right, play the idol, let it go, and that will, you know, that will kind of solidify this. Like, I, mm. at that point in time, I wasn't thinking round two or round three, and I should have been smarter about it, because, like, we saved the idol, we saved the idol. It was one of those things where I was like, all right, this is going to be a, this could be a bold move of Brienne to give it up. And maybe it shows some of the influence I have in maybe persuading her to give up some sort of that power. Cause ultimately it was putting a target on her back. And I think it was forming a lot of erosion and mistrust among like our group. And so I knew that the thing that would have done it for me was if, if you give that up, then I'll know that the three of us are together. In hindsight, I, I would have been like, and I should have been like, just give it to Sharif or give it to me and we still have you. But I think when you're in the real time and making those decisions, just the paranoia and the timing of it gets the best of you. And so that's one of the things where I was like, oh shit, like I don't know if that was the right move. But I, I am happy to see there was some sort of influence there where it's like, all right, play the idol, give it up. Maybe you lose the target on your back and me and Sharif, you, you have us. Um, ultimately it worked out but that was one of the things i don't think was fully captured in the edit um but it was one of the things that i'm just very happy that that happened where i was like all right i i trust brianne from this point on yeah i think i, I do kind of vaguely remember that occurring this idea of you sort of saying to her hey this is what i think you should do and then we'll be totally solid um there's also been some discussion of like so Tak and Kayla, like, go into the tent to, like, you know, Kayla's just trying to keep her eagle eyes out on Tak, and then everybody says they rushed off together. Do you remember that? Yeah, so I remember it vaguely, but if this is helpful context for anyone who's watching this and, and like, how they're perceiving the Kayla and the Tak side of it all versus, like, the Misharif and Brienne side of it all, we're talking about when we were at the Laura vote or at the the talk vote, Naomi, when there were, when we were six or when we were five. I, I well, this was like this was on actually day zero. But oh yeah, <laughs> like I just remember hearing about that, and it was just like such a funny like everything about Kayla was so funny to me. The way you guys sort of observed her and and the ideas that came to mind about Kayla because it was always like a little bit true, but then always a little bit wrong in sure. funny ways um poor kayla but yeah she seemed to think that like she was keeping her eyes out on talk looking through the food that you had just received for an idol clue or whatever and you guys were like wow can't believe they're running off together no we were every one of us in that six had a reason to be paranoid about someone way one way or another and i, I now it's coming back to me i remember kayla looking at me or telling me and I, I if I remember correctly it was like yeah like talks going through the snacks in in the box and in hindsight I was like all right this is foreshadowing because like talk I love talk 
great guy. Congrats on winning SBS. I remember feeling like he's really shifty. Like he's going through people's bags. He's going through snacks. Like what will he do to me if I have something, you know? So like that was one of the things where I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta find a way. I gotta maneuver around talking that way. And I remember Kayla, I love Kayla too. And I remember the energy at the time feeling like, wow, she's shifty. Like, I don't know. Like I just simply felt more at ease with Sharif and Brianne. And like the three of us talk about this all the time in our thread. Like, we stuck together and we were just, we felt we were like very level-headed with one another. And like, I feel like I looked at the game and approached it from a lens of like, who do you psychologically feel safe with? And who yeah. do you feel at ease moving in this game with? And if in my head, I'm like, the other three members of the tribe are giving me like very frenetic energy. Whereas like, I feel really calm and cool with Sharif and Brianne. I made like some very real-time decisions in that moment where I was like, I'm going to feel more at ease and calm moving, at least in this pre-merge portion of the game with people like I can feel psychologically safe with rather than like, oh, like talk might go through my bag. Or like, I don't know if Kayla's going to say something that's going to like make me look bad in front of my other tribe members. Um, so that's all to say, I remember those moments distinctively, Naomi, and hopefully that's giving color to like why we formed the trio that we did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the other, the, the sort of pre-merge of it all, the the pre-swap of it all. Because you guys blindside Kayla. Kayla has the funniest face I've ever seen of a blindside. <laughs> and then uh, you win two challenges. So I want to know about the highs and the lows of that experience. Yeah, like... I really now know what Jeff Probst means when he says, like, you can't have the high high without the low low. Like, going, losing that first challenge on that first night and then going tribal back to back, first thing that morning was just like so demoralizing. Like, and you don't really feel it until like you show up as a tribe of four and all the other two tribes have their numbers intact. And like, I remember I gave a confessional on this where I was like, we are the tribe of Davids and we're going up against two Goliath tribes. It was so stressful. Um, and one thing I appreciate from a storytelling point of view from how the season is designed is Bannerman Island just really fucks shit up, right? Like it's designed to throw things into the mix that like you have to finagle around. You have to maneuver it. You have to like plan your strategy around like the different things that could come at you. And so one thing that was super stressful in the real time, but I remember feeling very proud about was like the top vote where like the three of us are together, me, Sharif and Brianne. And at that point, I feel really good about being with Brianne now since she had given up the idol. And one of the things I remember planning out and mapping out with Sharif and Brianne was, all right, we know that there's going to be an assigned immunity in the mix we have to have some sort of contingency plan in order to go forward with this because it could be one of the three of us if Kayla gets assigned immunity and Tuck finds the idol because the idol is like up for grabs. So in order to do that, it was really stressful in the moment, but like that was just like a really good example of how the Bannerman Island twist really fucks shit up. Like you have to map out your contingencies. You have to make Kayla feel safe and disarm her so she can't find the idol. And you have to make Tuck believe that it's the boys together so he doesn't find the idol. So that way, the three of us, knowing we have the numbers, we can blindside Tuck and get him out of here because we are believing that Kayla will be assigned immunity. I say that all to say, like, 
I don't know if that strategy is as appreciated in Epsa because it's like not as flashy of a game, but like you really have to plan around the maneuvers of what Bannerman Island throws at you. And I say that all to say like, it's really stressful in the real time when you have to like think about, oh my God, like what could happen here? What could happen there? What does an idol mean? Are the three of us good? The three of us are good, but what does that mean for like the two of them if like they find the idol? Super, super stressful. And then to now lead to the, like the better side of your question, Naomi, like I just remember feeling like a distinct high when we won the next two immunity challenges. Like I really know, I really can feel now like when like you got like the uh, the brain tribe in Kagiyan and they lose those first two challenges and then they oh, win yeah. like the third immunity. Like, oh my gosh, we were like the lose on four at that point and it just felt so <laughs> good to win the next two ones. And so like the morning was so shitty, the afternoon felt so good. And then we'll probably talk about it later, but like when you get to the the swap, it was just like, oh man, like I'm back at the low again. So it was just like super stressful, roller coaster of emotion. And your confessional talking about that sandbag challenge was probably my favorite confessional from you just because you just describe you know throwing the sandbag and hitting that last one and then we see the slow-mo shot of it going down and you and Sharif cheering and that was just like I feel like that's like your epic survivor moment yeah um, no I appreciate that and and you know definitely thank you for passing this along to me. This is the tree mail of the challenge we won, Chris, <laughs> and uh, the one that I had the money shot. No, like, to have that hero moment, and I was just, like, very happy that that made the edit. Like, again, and everyone who's watching this, like, keeping the context in mind, like, I only had five days of mental preparation for this, and so I didn't know what I was going to get out of it, but, like, in my everyday life, like, I don't take those opportunities to, like, be the hero, and, you know, I was only throwing the sandbags because, like, it was really me and Sharif and like the girls wanted to catch the bags and throw them back to us. And so they were the rebounds. And so like, normally, like I didn't really take that big of a lead in the first two challenges, but like this opportunity came up and I was like, this is why you came out here. Like you're going to test yourself. And albeit it's like not that difficult of a challenge compared to like real life survivor. But like when your life is on the line and like you could be going to tribal again, like you're winning that. It just means everything where it's like, well, like, I don't want to go back there again. And to just have that moment and that opportunity. And I remember kneeling and whispering to myself, like, for the win. And like, it happened. Yes. I was like, whoa, like, this is sick. Like, I, that was definitely one of the top two favorite things that happened to me that Saturday, for sure. <laughs> I also want to talk about, because I don't think we've talked about it from this episode. Did anybody see where a beanbag was uh thrown at Brienne and her face when she got hit by the beanbag. No, I don't remember that. <laughs> Sorry, Brienne. <laughs> I, I was thinking like, is Ed gonna throw a beanbag at Kayla just to throw it at her? No, no, no. You know, you're go in back that and watch it. <laughs> I'll read I'll you guys throws it right at Brienne and she screams, ow. Sorry. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but it oh was in the real time. Like we just got Do you guys also time. remember during that challenge there was a group of these guys like in the bushes with gears watching us do this challenge? Yeah, um, I remember watching that. Um and even just the the footage of it all. I remember I think they were like wearing red shirts. And I was like, Oh, we have a real life audience for this. So this is cool. We we really did. This season had the biggest audience for sure. Yeah, of random people in the park coming by. I love it. <laughs> we gave them yes. a show. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, um, I want to know a little bit more about the downtime. So for the, you know, we lose Laura, we lose talk. We know there's a lot of stress between the idol and uh, the immunity sh- share and this and that. But now you guys got to just relax as a group of four. And then you guys got to relax as a group of four plus Stan. Can you talk about things that you remember that maybe that weren't shown during that time? For sure. Yeah. So I remember Kayla providing her perspective during her exit interview and I'll chime in at least from what I saw at that point. I remember when we voted out talk, I remember Kayla like storming off and then the three of us looked at each other. We were like, Oh, she's pissed off. She's really upset. And I know she like, Kayla mentions us like yeah like meant nothing at the end of the day at the point and in the real time we were like oh man like this is where the emotions are really tense and really high and like we don't know if like can we interact with her like safely or like well is she really mad or upset at us and like I remember that was one of the things in our downtime we were like oh man like it's very clear she's pissed off at, at us right and she knows she's on the bottom and so like you know, I love Kayla and, and we're, you know, we're cool to this day. And I just remember at that point in time, I was like, oh man, like being at camp, even when you're safe, but knowing like you have at least one person there who's, who knows they're on the bottom and there's a live idol in play because the three of us haven't found it yet. That can be incredibly dangerous. And like, I remember, I can't remember if it was episode three or four. But I remember, I think it was Sharif that said, like, oh, like, Kayla's eating her pineapple safe and fine, like, as if she has the idol. And we were like, maybe she has the idol, but I don't think she has the idol. It's like, it's that downtime and that paranoia that really gets in your head. And I don't know if if anyone's watching my edit very closely. I remember, I think, in episode three or four, where I said, like, I'm done with the politicking. Like, politicking takes away from, like, the winning. And yeah, you're, you're, you know, you're watching Survivor and you want to watch the politicking. But like when you've gone to two tribal straight in a row, like you don't want to go back there again. And so for me, I was of the mind where it's like, let's just do what we need to do to win this next challenge and just keep things as harmonious as possible. It's not the most flashy way to win, but like it at least ensures you let's just get to the swap. Because I don't want to go back there again. It's so stressful. Um, so I'd say it all to say the downtime, at least during round three, was... It was welcome because we were like, all right, we don't have to go back to tribal. But then that's where you have like Kayla asking Sharif, like, so I was the plan A. And it's like things like in the downtime where those kinds of things will slip. Um, I can't remember where I was in the real time. I was probably using the restroom or something. But like, that's an example of like, sometimes it's good to go to tribal because you keep the action moving. And then sometimes it can be equally dangerous where it's like, all right, like, Downtime means you have you can find an idol and you can you can politic and it's a little bit of give or take. Um, can I talk now about like how we kidnap Stan? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so backtracking. So, and I, I appreciate again that challenge so much because then it led to like the next note of okay, now we can kidnap somebody, and we get to kidnap someone from purple and. No doubt in my mind, I was like, all right, like for me, it'll either be, I would want it to either be Stan or Julia. Um, And given what's been portrayed in the edit, like the whole dragonfly of it all, I think just 
the feel and the comfort of knowing and uh, one piece of context that's important for everyone to remember is like during the summer 2021 the cookout was airing in big brother and so that was one of the things where at least for myself i was thinking like wow we can normalize forming cross-tribal alliances with people of color from from asian pacific island descent and so that was one of the things that was going through my head where all right like i did make some inroads with julia or stan from the purple tribe on night zero would love to see how this shakes out. I mean, based on what we're seeing from the edit, it looks like Stan pretty much made inroads with everyone on Night Zero. So, you know, no surprise there that we kidnapped him. We're all on consensus there. Um, we bring Stan over and that's when, okay, we can feel like we can breathe a little bit because, and, and you see this from the edit, like me and Sharif and Bran and even Kayla, like we're trying to devise contingencies of like, what does this swap mean? And we know we're smart enough to know they we don't they don't design this twist of kidnapping unless some sort of swap was going to happen um and i actually do want to course correct the episode recap for episode four i remember mark and davy talking about like yeah they're, they're they're building a final four in that first part of the episode when really we're just not a final four final four never came out of our mouths it's no like we have Stan here. How can we figure how we can use this to make some inroads post-swap? So that's the one thing yeah. I do want to contextualize because I remember me, Brianne, and Tree feeling very upset about it. But that's neither here nor there. All to say, I feel like we did milk the cow for what it was worth because Stan gave us a lot of good information. And I don't know if it's portrayed... I don't know if it's portrayed evenly, but we were really trying to strategize or build contingencies of, okay, who are you close with in purple? This is who we have. I think at that time, I think we said something to the extent of like, we can work together and be to take out the greens. Um, and I think in my head, I knew I had that bias where I was like, well, there's like a lot of big players that are in this game. And if we all come together, maybe we can like systematically knock them out. Um, and so that was one of the things that was going through our head when we had kidnapped Stan. And I, I had a feeling that, <laughs> thank you, Stan. Um, I had a feeling that it was the right move with what we knew at that time. Um, and it was just like very much a welcome presence with Stan being there, just in the sense of like, all right, like we don't have to politic, we don't have to go to tribal. We're laying out some sort of foundation in the event that we do get swapped and who can we work with? Who can we build inroads with? Um, I definitely enjoyed the downtime more in round four than I did round three. Because um, even at that point in time, I think I had perceived that Kayla was kind of like coming around to the idea. But like we know the edit was showing and also just knowing Kayla's confession. It was like, the boys are dead to me. They're, you know, like, and so I said all to say, finagling it with Stan, I think was the right move. Um, me, Sharif, and Brianne were together. Kayla knew she was on the bottom. And that was pretty much round four where, all right, like, just how can we make the most of this opportunity, knowing that the swap's probably going to be the next round? Yeah. It, it, I mean, it really was, like, capitalizing on what was available to you because, as we see in the swap, you needed everything you could get. Like, if you were, like, if it was, you know, you instead of Brianne, then you're the only person in that group and you need Stan more than ever to help you uh, socialize with that group of people. Um, I want to talk about something that happens in the in the post swap really quickly. Sure. I know we're not fully there yet. 
but you fucked up your finger, Edsel. And I want you to talk about how you messed up your finger. Uh, and then we'll talk about how I found out you messed up your finger. Oh my god, nobody told me this. What the- oh I texted you gosh. this once I found out. Okay, yeah. I forgot. So, okay, so this takes place episode six. I'm sure we'll probably talk about episode five with the Caleb yeah. in a little bit. So by the time we get to episode... No, this episode is episode seven. So this is after McKenna's voted out. This is the slingshot challenge. Yes. And so this is the challenge that sends me home. And so it's me. I mean, all five of us are playing, but I remember me, I think it was me, Sharif, and, and Veronica having to be on the court more to catch those balls. That was an intense challenge. And if anything, just like the high velocity of the slingshot actually broke my finger. Like it broke my left ring finger. And I oh didn't. God. Yeah, I didn't think it was like that big of a deal. And you can, and Stan can actually co-sign to this because I remember texting him days after the game being like, Dr. Stan, like, is this a bad sign? Because it's been drooping for a week now. Um, and he was like, yeah, you got you got to get that checked out. You and didn't so, go like, oh, God. No, like in the moment I was like, all right, it's just limp, but like Chantel's whatever. Chantel's a nurse. We would have sent you to the nurse. Oh I should have in, in the real time. But <laughs> oh then it was like a week later where I was like, why is this not lifting back up? Wait, and you didn't sue us? <laughs> no 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 i mean i was like i'm not no i wasn't gonna do that to y'all but like i didn't think it was that <laughs> severe until like i think at this point this was um late august i remember it was the day of the 41 cast reveal and i remember being like all right like i actually do have to take a day off of work and i really should get this checked out so i actually went to um, a finger doctor and they did x-rays and it actually turns out like yeah you gotta get this splinted um and so that's what I remember. Yeah, yeah, I had a mallet finger stand. Thanks. I remember, like, I would watch the 41, you know, episodes at the bar and people were looking at my ring finger being like, how did you get that? And I was like, you got it from Survivor New York. You just got to watch how it plays out. And and if anything, I got out, like, other than the friendships I made that day, I left with a broken finger, but it was all worth it for how it played out. Um, that was the challenge that sent me home, but, like, went hard on it and fingers I mean, that shows the, the, the rough nature of survivor it's not even these fan-made games can be tough it's not pretty it, it's not pretty. it depends on how it depends on how tough and tenacious you are you know and especially in a challenge like that it was a physical challenge and do you remember the exact moment that it happened though like i was definitely trying to like catch one of the slingshots for sure i can't remember the moment um I just remember days later feeling like, all right, why is it not coming back up? Like, it's not like coming back to its formation. And then ultimately, you're getting the diagnosis into what Stan put in the chat. Like, it ultimately was a mallet finger. Um, Mm -hmm. It's probably from when one of the green tribe members launched it coming my way. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is the photo I took because then I, we hung out at at (laughs) Sherman's. And I was like, like, what happened to your finger? And he went, yeah. and you just went, oh, I broke it at Survivor New York. And I went, why didn't you tell us? <laughs> You're like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I should have. Um, I don't know why I didn't. I think I was just caught in the excitement of it all. I was like, even, I think you just have to retire that challenge in my name. Like, that's the, the one thing I would ask. It's like incredibly yeah, the Edsel, dangerous. Edsel <laughs> challenge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
but I would I would do it all over again, despite all the the medical bills and the the stress that came from it. But I was like, this is just my my war wound for being a survivor in New York. Oh my god! And I have a question because you talked about Kayla. Um, were you surprised to see or hear her talk about that Stan was her number one ally? I was surprised. I was surprised and I'm not surprised at the same time, just knowing how the game played out, knowing how the edits being portrayed. Like it does surprise me because I was like, when did that happen? But then at the same time too, like you see it in the footage of the episodes, like everyone at one point or another thought that they were super close with Dan. So yes and no, but I think hearing Kayla say it and then just that being embedded in, I think it was episode two, I was like, oh, how did this happen? And this will probably come into play at some point during the the swap or, or something. So I was surprised. Yeah, I will say that much. I was surprised. So we get to the swap and you pull the chip and you see your new tribe. I'm just curious, what were your initial thoughts on that group? And then you see the other tribe and you, what are your thoughts on the other group too? Yeah, I so I look at those two tribes and it reminds me, uh, I mean, it definitely feels like it's a David versus Goliath formation. I think that's the first thing for sure, because it's like they have all the physical and big players and challenge beasts on the other side, you know, like you got Danny, you got Kristen, you got Andy, you got Stan, like, and it's just like, oh my God, like we're going up against the Monstars. What was like, that was my thought. And at the same time, the too, like oh the monsters. I think yeah, you saw, like, someone said that. I remember that now. Yeah, like we were going up the monsters, and I was like, "This is a lot." And I say that all to say, not that I underestimated the the new Polypel tribe. I think, if anything, I probably felt more comforted knowing that the people who were on my tribe on the new swap. I at least felt a little bit more psychologically safe, just in the sense of like, for me in my everyday life, like I, I feel like I relate to women more. Like I, I work in a field that's predominantly women, you know, like, and just a lot of different sectors that I've been in in my life in terms of like my education, the jobs that I've worked at, things I volunteered for have been per, all predominantly women. So it was just like, all right, like this is something I feel like I can get behind and knowing that like, I had some inroad connections with like McKenna, knowing that she was the only pre-existing connection coming into the game, and like me, me and her and Kristen were like the only ones talking to like the last night in Night Zero. I was like, all right, maybe I have McKenna. That's cool. Julia being like quote unquote fellow dragonfly and just feeling comforted by her presence. Maybe we can work together. Didn't really have that good of a read with Veronica or Annie at the time. And like Kayla was kind of like 50-50. I actually didn't know if she was going to be with us or would she go against us. But it was all to say, when I look back on it as a whole, I I probably felt more comfortable being on the new Polyfell than I did with the new Sophist. And that's just largely because like, I think for me and my archetype, I don't know if I would have meshed as well with like, the bigger physical players, the challenge beasts, that type of archetype. And like, I use the word meathead a lot. And like, in, in retrospect, I probably should have taken that term back and probably just use something more, more, you know, user-friendly, but like, I just didn't feel like those were the types of players I could see myself aligning with. I think for me, I'm more, 
I feel like I'm more a little bit more strategic and more social in my gameplay as opposed to like, oh, like I I feel like I would have a harder time being around some of the more bigger players in stature and in gameplay than me. And so that was the immediate reaction that I had where it's like, all right, like I'm glad to kind of be on the David side of this. I think I can finagle it. Um, but you saw how that played out where, you know, we then went to travel back to back to back. <laughs> but you guys did pretty, I mean, you guys were close a few times, I feel like. And if it was just two challenges, you guys, you would have made the merge. The closest we were was for sure the puzzle, the first puzzle, the sunset puzzle challenge where we were trying to memorize all those animals. I would say that was the closest one. And I remember McKenna had devised that whole strategy. And I think we followed suit. And she like, did mention her strategy. Uh, yeah. The pod. And, and that was one of the things where, you know, I, I can't remember who messed it up, but like, how did we get this wrong? Like we had a strategy going into it. And, and that's all to say, like, we had won that one, then maybe the rest, you know, of what happened in rounds five, six, and seven looks very, very differently. Um, but all to say, yeah, like Chris, it's all it takes is just one challenge and like we couldn't get it right. And I, I say it all, like, I think everyone, everything kind of happened the way it needed to happen to get to my boot, which I was very happy about and how it happened in the real time. But you're absolutely right. Like one challenge is all you needed and like, maybe me and McKenna could have made the merge. Um, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, also I want to talk about... made the jury and then... Yeah. <laughs> we got a lot or to talk that. about then. Sure. I kind of <laughs> wish we did have the jury with 10 jurors. No, we can't just start <laughs> the jury randomly whenever we feel bad about whoever gets <laughs> I know. Like, there's always somebody to get screwed out. I feel like 12th place is always the screw person because it was like Dresden got screwed and now Ed got screwed. And maybe in the future season, the 12th place also gets screwed. But um, I want to know, Ed, so there was a lot of chaos in the Caleb vote out. Um, I'm sure there was a lot of uh, moments that were, you know, the first time you heard certain things and saw certain conversations. What were your thoughts on the whole mess it was um, when Caleb got voted out? Yeah, so... I would say of the seven rounds that I lasted, round five, the Kayla vote was the one that like I was just the most stressed out of I because I it could have been me going home. And I remember it was me and Sharif, and we were like, all right, like we're together for sure, but it's either we're with Kayla or with we're with the three purple girls and and you know McKenna being up there as a swing vote it could have gone a lot of different ways. And so I remember in the real time feeling like this is super, super stressful. What I'm hearing, I don't know if it's actually going to be what is going to materialize. And, and so you see me and Sharif both voting against Annie, right? And that's, I'll give credit to the Purple Girls. Like they fed us that information really well. Like we're going for Annie. And so we did that, we followed suit we surprisingly like did not go against Kayla and we kept true to our word. And, and you see it from the edit that with Kayla, like we were doing what, just what we needed to do to get to the jury. And we were following suit with that. Like, sure. We burned you 
in the initial pre-swap, but you were on the bottom and the three of us, we were together from night zero. So um, that was one of the things that was crossing our minds where, all right, like, we're going to go with what the girls are telling us. They played us. They gave us the right information for us to at least, you know, them to get Kayla and for us to, you know, foolishly vote against Annie. Um, and then just watching it and, and playing it out and just seeing like the edit and also just knowing what I know about how it all played out. I was like, whoa, like Julia actually saved me here. Like she was going against Kayla and I had no idea in the moment in the real time, but like, okay, Kayla's not going to give you information, Julia, but Sharif is like, let's get Kayla out of here. And so I remember in the real time hearing snippets of conversations where it's like, Kayla's the move here don't have to worry ed like you're good for at least one round was the sense that i got and like kayla was the target but i also think too like and i, I text straight to this day like why did we go against annie and like why did we listen i can't remember it was like maybe there's an idol in play or maybe like this is we're trying to appease kayla in some sort of way ultimately it worked out for that round but i just remember for the seven rounds that I lasted, that was the one where I just could not tell what was left and right. Like I, and I said that in my voting confessional, like I've heard so many names today that like, it could be me for all I know. Um, that was the most stressed out I had ever been, the most paranoid I had been. Um, and when I think about that vote, I'm like, yeah, Julia, I owe you my life in the game for that round. I, I really appreciated how she turned, she got the girls to vote out Kayla instead of me. So I was very happy for that. Thanks, Julia. Uh, what what point did you know that it was Kayla going home? Was it when I read the vote or was it before because they had, you know, mentioned that Kayla was probably going that you were good? I think it was when you were reading the votes. Like I was not even locked into certainty until like you had started reading those votes. And when I only saw one Ed name that came out, I was like, all right, like, I think you're good here. Um, and that's when I felt a little bit more at ease, but I'm not going to lie to you. I think that vote was the most stressful of all of them just because I could not tell where the vote was going. Like the girls were in complete power and, and me and Sharif were at their mercy. Um, and so I felt alleviated when I was like, all right, like Kayla's out. And me and Sharif too, that was the one thing we were worried about. We were like, we she knew she was on the bottom of our four pre-swap Asopis. And so... It was really, you know, she could have lot, she could have caused a lot of damage if she stayed. And I was just very happy, you know, ultimately from the edit and from what I've heard, it came down to, to Julia politicking to get it turned around. Um, but I remember that was the case. I was like, well, I did not feel fully set into it until I saw the, I think it was the third or fourth Kayla vote came out where I was like, all right, I think we're good here. <laughs> and then when you guys went back to camp, I don't have any footage of it, but was it like any sort of like apology to Annie about voting for her or like explanation? Was it awkward kind of like having to <laughs> share time with her? After I that? remember, no, I remember. So I don't, this footage wasn't captured yet because I remember this was right as the sun was setting and there was still some daylight out. And this was while we were preparing for the blindfold challenge in round six. I remember sitting down and we were all huddled by the pool at your backer, Chris. And I remember telling Annie, Annie, I'm so sorry. Like this was at that point, I think I owed 
I owed it up to, I think we were, you know, with Kayla to a degree and trying to build those inroads with her and just honor trying to get to the jury, Prius Opus, whatever the case is. I don't know how she took it. And unbeknownst to me with like the confessionals that she gave and just watching the edit like a year and a half later, like I had no idea that Annie was so perturbed that her name was the one coming out from the Purple Girls as the decoy that in hindsight, you know, 2020s hindsight, like me and Sharif could have weaponized that even more. And like even what came up in the the paddock and the Michael Schwartz recap last week, like that's one move you could have done um, in round seven to, to bring over Annie. Like her name was coming up a lot. And so I think Annie had let it go bygones, 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 but it wasn't really until just the last two weeks and watching this in the real time where I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize Annie was so perturbed that like her name was the decoy vote and and realizing maybe we could have weaponized that to a degree. That's, you know, I, the standees are out. Um, standees are out. <laughs> standees are out. I yeah. Just, yeah. Sorry. Um, Be careful. Veronica. The standees. They're, they're, they're like Taylor Swift fans. Yeah, they're the beehive, the Stannies. Um, but <laughs> I I think what's really interesting is Annie, I think, was a person who got walked over a lot in the game. Not, like, disrespected, but, like, her name would be out there, and people would just kind of keep throwing it out there. And I love that Annie's edit gets to show that she was not fucking cool with that, and that she was standing up for herself a lot more than I think people realized. Yeah, good for her. Like, again, I, I had no idea and I didn't realize it in, in the real time because I had looked at the three purple girls as this, like, three-headed dragon, you know? And, like, <laughs> I remember Veronica being, like, the most upfront and most direct. I remember Julia being, like, the most positively schemy and also, you know, based on what we're seeing on her edit, like, very, very socially savvy. And Annie being a little bit more on the quiet end but not to say like she's not playing a good game, but to the point that you're saying like, yeah, like the edit can show like she's being walked over or trampled by the other tribe mates, but also good for her for standing up and just saying what she needs to say about like, yeah, like I'm upset that like I'm being the decoy time to time. Like this is not, not right. And so props to her. I had no idea that was happening in the real time. And these are the things that you appreciate and watch after the fact, but in the real time, it's just so hard to keep track of it. Just given like, we only have minutes to strategize and that didn't cross our minds to be like, Oh, like maybe we can weaponize Annie's frustration here, but you know, 2020 is hindsight. Very true. <laughs> Coach saying, I never said anything either. Um, so Edsel, Voting out McKenna. (laughs) That was the hardest one for me. McKenna. I I could tell that was very hard. And I I could also tell that it was something that, like, you know, is the butterfly flap of a wing that could change the way things go for you. How do you feel looking back at it? How do you feel about that vote and, and the sort of implications of it down the line? Yeah. So, for context, I. I think I was texting Sharif a couple of days prior to the McKenna and my boot episode. And I was trying to remember like, why did we vote McKenna out? Like, and, and watching it, I didn't realize like, oh yeah, it's because she has all those connections to the green people. And that's something we could weaponize. And and that's another reason to get the target off our back. I, on a personal level, it definitely was the hardest one for me to vote. Like I had really no angst about, 
you know, not to say they're not good people, but like Laura talked Kayla and I didn't properly vote for Kayla. Like those votes were, you know, not as heavy for me, just in the sense of like, all right, like I'm doing this just because it's like not my people. McKenna was like definitely the artist for me. And I, I say that because I opened up this podcast with, yeah, McKenna is one of the reasons why I did this. And like, it's hard to just put the knife in her back. I'm like, fuck like this is the part that gets really ugly like i gotta throw your name out there and i think i remember the i don't know if the episode highlights this or it might be confusing to the people that are watching it but i think i'm trying to get mckenna to give as much information to all of us that are listening to it in a way that and i think in the time i think i was trying to do that in a way to portray mckenna as mckenna's more useful than someone like annie and i think the edit does show like Annie could get the majority of the votes at that point in time. So I, I think that's why, if I remember correctly, we're trying to get as much McKenna information out of McKenna's to, at least for me, from my perspective, like she's useful here. She can work with us here. And like, for me, selfishly, like I knew I had some sort of connection outside of the game that was possibly in game with me and McKenna, given like our trivia night connection. But all to say, like, it didn't work out and it was, like, really savage. Where I was like, oh, man, like, this is the part that feels really ugly to me. And, like, I think, if anything, it just, it it hurt, you know, because I, I, I have a hard time separating the emotions from the game. Like, it was hard to be like, oh, McKenna probably got casted well before, you know, alternate status came in for me. And, like, to take that away from someone where it's like, oh, like, just kind of the reason why you're doing this to, you know, that was, like, not the prettiest part. Um but I texted McKenna like not too long after and um, even watching the episode, I was like, it's all love. And and she understands it. The one thing though, that came up, me, Sharif and McKenna were talking about it the day after the game. And I remember texting our thread, Naomi, like our entire season five thread asking like, was there a rock draw that ever happened in Survivor New York history? If I knew what I knew now about how things shaped up, and this probably would not have led to you know the, the moment that I had in episode seven, I probably would have said, Sharif, McKenna, let's go to rocks. Like, because the three of them are not budging. Maybe at the very least, like we can get something out of this. Maybe this can work out, but hindsight's 2020. Like, if I know what I know now, maybe me, McKenna, and Sharif could have gotten together or something for like a rock draw and something pretty epic. But in the real time, you're not calculating that. In the real time, you're like, how do you just get past this? Because the merge could be like the next vote. Um, so that was one of the other things I wanted to highlight where I was like, McKenna's vote was really difficult. In hindsight, maybe it would have been beneficial to go to rocks. That would have been awesome. So McKenna happened. actually touched on that last week that she wished she had done that during the Kayla vote. Because yeah. she knew, <laughs> she knew exactly tie, where... Yeah. Yeah, she knew where all the votes were going, and her vote was going to go with you guys, but she said she thought it was going to go to rocks automatically. So I was like, damn, that would have been so epic. Yeah, so epic. I, I think I remember her saying that in her exit interview, I think with what she does in BCP, I think I don't, I don't think they go to a reboot. I think they go to automatic rocks. I yes. think that's what you might have mentioned. Yeah. Um, I don't like that, yeah. though. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if I have any clear feelings on that either, but it would have been epic for sure, whether it be at the Kayla vote or the McKenna vote. It was just one of the things where, like, oh, this could have been 
more epicness to an already epic season, at least what had happened in six rounds. Um, I, I, in an I'm from wrong, Naomi, but I'm almost positive that also in when everyone gets chosen to play the game, we do send out a little like rule list. And I yeah. think it is in there. Yeah, I, I think it goes it, to I a think... Revo and then it goes to rocks. We don't we don't like that automatic rocks um, in the automatic rocks rule because it really gives people this opportunity to uh, play hard and like the, the revote status. And there's just a lot more elements, I think, to it and more excitement. With yeah. Um, the one thing I think, you know, people are always welcome to ask Chris a question at the voting booth if they have a rules question. Chris and Alex are there. They'll answer it. You know, if you're worried about what's going to ask, like, just ask. Um, Alex says, how happy are you with the editing of your goodbye episode? I like calling it a goodbye episode instead of a boot episode, right? So Alex, I love Alex because he was giving me some intel in terms of, like, how this was ultimately going to be portrayed and, like, I love this, and I'm sure you took his notes just because of like the whole music of it all. So thank you, Alex Morrison. I knew, I knew leading up to it, like a year and a half into it, I was like, this could either be a really nice, sweet, somber send off, or it could be like, why didn't Edsel play hard enough? And that was like a really stupid way to go out. Like, and he gets saved by a production twist that could have been planted. Like, we don't know. Um, but I say it all to say, like, I felt really good just overall in terms of, like, the tone of that episode. Just because I think, and I'm trying to figure out the right way to say it. For me, and again, just everyone who knows and is watching this, like, I only had, like, five mental, five days to really mentally prepare for it. So I didn't have that much of a stake compared to some people that found out maybe in, like, June, May or June that they had been casted. But for me, I was like, no, nah, like, I really meant it. I think it was very clear to me at that point in time, despite whatever the, the edit shows, that, like, there was no way getting around the three girls not voting me out. Like, and I was very happy they did the courtesy of telling me up front. Because, like, for me, the last thing I wanted was to have some sense of false hope, to drive back home feeling like, all right, like, this is the note I'm ending on. I'm really frustrated, like had this false sense of hope to me it's just like sure it's a game but it's also like ah, like what tone do you want to leave off in and like how do you want to like make peace with this knowing that like you're probably gonna try to get out of here before the hurricane happens um so i'm glad they they did me that courtesy and i was like super happy and you know i knew going into it where i was like this episode it's going to be very straightforward it's like there's not a lot to work with even given the time that we have, like Veronica does such a good job of saying like, it's you and that's it. Like there's no way around it. And we're giving you the courtesy of just being upfront with you. There's no surprises here. And I, I appreciated that. The edit can make it look like we had given up or me and Sharif, we were like, nah, like we're reminiscing or like we're not doing enough in our power. And like hindsight's 2020, we absolutely could have maybe found a way to weaponize Annie. But like at that point in time, it was like, all right, like, you're kind of not in denial, you're not bargaining, but you're kind of accepting what happened. And like, I think for me, that's just what was going through my head. Like I didn't, I didn't want to be lied to and I didn't want to be betrayed and I didn't want to have this false sense of hope. And I think there was just a part of me where like, I really just want to preserve the memory that's here and just like really yeah. appreciate that I did this and like 
go home and feel like, wow, like, yeah, you are the Yule of the season. You went up pre-merge and that's okay. Um, and you got what you wanted out of it. But I will say this, like I was blindsided that night and I was blindsided the best way by production. And so like all ah! the day, Alex, like I was very happy with the editing of my quote unquote goodbye episode. Um, no, I just have nothing but reverie for it. I was just like, well, this really happened. Like this was the best way to go up. Michael Schwartz was right. Like I got the best prize of it all. Like I got to stay and still be part of the experience and not have to worry about politicking and playing during the hurricane. And I got the shower before before, um, <laughs> before, the, shower before the next Rebel Council. So it's like I just have to say that, you know, if anybody else got the paper, the Bannerman Island twist, it would not have been the same. <laughs> it, to me, like, I love everybody on that tribe, but nobody would have had as great of a reaction, I think, as you. So Thank in a way, you, like, I'm only happy that you lost because you got to have that that moment. And that lives in my mind as like one of the top 10 moments of all time for in Survivor New York history. And that's a video that I'm going to be working on at some point this year. The, me and Naomi's top 10 moments. And that's going to make it. Oh, I greatly appreciate yeah, we'll make that. Our, our compilation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Julia. <laughs> Julia, we were talking I about love Julia's right face before. so much. It, it makes me laugh every time I see it. Just like we will be printing me. t-shirts. I love yeah, it. Yeah, but you know what I love, Edsel, is I love how you and Sharif, what you say to each other is like, we're not playing their game. We're not giving in. We're not going to pitch each other. And I really like that because um, I can see that. I think that you can tell on Sharif's face as well that he thinks it's him going home. He thinks he's done for. Um, and it turns out that's not the case. And um, I was watching. Uh, the episode with Jeremy and Jeremy was like, I don't know why the hell they did that. Um, and to be frank, I don't know why the hell they did that either. But I really loved that we got this story because sometimes Survivor is not about winning. Fake Survivor a lot of times is not about winning. It is about making friendships with people and bonding with people. And I love when people say my friendship is more important to me in in fake survivor in real survivor do you want a million dollars or not denise just quit already like in in this game it's like (laughs) great like the friendship is there and there's not much you can do and you don't have much time so you might as well i always admired that about that moment i love that you guys were just like yeah effort we're voting together yeah and so you know i really do it's very sincere and it's very true in the real time of course but like you just that the real life bromance that Sharif and I have, like it's one thing I walked away from the season with. It was definitely that for sure. And it was just like something I really greatly appreciated my my friendship with, with Sharif, for example. And, and Naomi, I texted this to you right before this podcast, but like I don't think anyone really knows. I haven't been public with this information, but I saved it for my exit interview. Like Sharif actually invited me to his wedding in Brazil to watch him and Marcelli get married. And like, I actually flew down to Brazil. And then Naomi, if you have the, the photo of it, like one thing I'm super grateful for just from this, this whole experience was that like, wow, like I gained a real life friendship, which reads so much so that like he invited me to his wedding and it was just like, so joyous. Okay. Yeah, that's me, <laughs> In Brazil. I knew about the wedding, but I didn't know it was in Brazil. That's cool. It was in Brazil. Yeah, and That's so awesome. I'm super grateful for, for my friendship with Sharif and, and even Brianne. Like, you know, Brianne, Sharif, and I were super, super tight. 
um, in the first quarter of the game, but like even my real life friendship with Brienne, like I don't think this will be a spoiler, but like we were the challenge team for season six. And so it was like me and Brienne just like assembling all the challenges and staying at this Airbnb and kind of commiserating on the days that we were there. And like, it was just like, wow, like I got a real life friendship with Sharif, with Brienne from this experience. And even, and even Julia, like Julia is just very, very special to me. Like every time there's an RHAP thing in DC, I'm like, Julia, let me crash. And like, I've also gotten like a real life friendship with, with Julia and, and even just a lot of the people that are probably watching this too, like Coach, Stan, McKenna, like Veronica, like I really have just a deep admiration for so many people on this crew just because like they've just, at the end of the day, we've played Survivor, but they're all really, really good people. And they're just very, very close to me. And I just truly appreciate just the bonds. Like that's the prize that I've gotten in addition to, to being mayor status of Ponderosa. <laughs> there you go. I know. Stan says, "What the fuck, Sharif? Where's my invite?" <laughs> Stan, you got asked. This is this is not about you, Stan. Stan, you're gonna have to do a little bit more if you want to be invited to all of our fancy weddings that we're gonna have. <laughs> Honestly, if you get married, Naomi, and you can invite me, I would. Chris, I don't know no, why you think you wouldn't be invited. I that's that's my. I was just no, talking to my my. Um, me, I'd be like, I'm all right. I, I, I was like just talking to, to my mom because I had when I when I graduated high school, <laughs> I invited about a hundred people to my graduation party. And my mom was like, That's too many people. And I was like, I cannot bring this list down more than I already have. So I, <laughs> I do big parties, so I would be down for it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> I would invite Ed over Sharif to my one and two. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> just send me the invites, Dan. The irony of it all is that Stan would not invite me. That's that. the irony. Wow, wow, wow. wow. We're, we're really learning a anyway, lot about each other this week. Um, um, no, this is so fun. I, so, Edsel, I just wanted to ask, one thing I wanted to ask was, were there people in the game that you didn't get to play with that you really wanted to play with? Like, Yeah, who? for sure. I'm going through, like, the Rolodex of the tribes, I think, from Green, Kristen, and Robin, hands down, for sure. Like, I think... We had some conversations on night zero and I remember Kristen and even McKenna, we were the last three people talking night zero before we went to bed. And it was just the South Pacific brain in me where I was like, you should have the last conversation because this is how you shore up numbers and get like some majority together. So that was what I felt comforted with on the green side. I think it would have been McKenna, Kristen and Robin for sure. I think on purple, definitely Coach Drew. I was so sad that that did not work out. Um, Coach Drew, Julia and Stan, of course. Um, and then you know how it played out on my Blue Tribe in terms of the trio that I stuck with. Um, but the five names that I mentioned, those were the ones I was sad about. Like, oh man, like we would have been, we would have been pretty cool if we were on a tribe together. Yeah, I would have really loved to see like you, Robin, and Kristen because. I think Kristen, um, as evidenced in the merge episode, I think Kristen is really fun when she's talking to like everybody and the, the whole Jeremy Kristen of it all was like very entertaining to watch. Um, and I, I really just feel like uh, it's sad that everybody can't play with everybody. That's also one of the things that kind of makes me sad is like, I would love to watch you guys all hang out. 
And if anything, that's one thing I was like really grateful for with like a Night Zero twist. It allowed me to at least have some sort of connection with people that I didn't get to formally play with. And so like, you know, even though I didn't get to formally play with like Kristen or Robin in a tribe setting, like I was still very much appreciative of, oh, like I'm on the jury and I'm getting to watch even these people I didn't have any in-game interactions with past Night Zero, the fact that we were still in a one-world setting, it still gave me some pulse in terms of like, oh, okay, like we didn't play together, but like some of those connections I'm observing and I was really appreciative of, oh, okay, I still have some some kind of in con connection, whether it be I'm on the jury now and watching some of these people that I'm like, oh man, like I wish we got to play together. That would have been so cool. Um, but yeah, like standing for all of them. I just want to laugh for a moment because I remember um, the morning after you were voted out and I was wondering where you were sleeping and you were <laughs> sleeping on the floor of my dining room. And I was like, I think you were underneath the table and I was like, oh my God, no way is he sleeping on the floor of my dining room underneath the table. Like, I felt no, horrible. I, I was like, oh my gosh, there was no bed anywhere. It was so funny. No, I really did breakfast, and I would do it 10 times all over again, just in terms <laughs> of how it played out. No, because it's like, again, like I got voted out at seven and I had no idea I was going to be on the jury. So I was going to sleep wherever I could to make this happen. And like, just knowing I got to watch that first tribal and have a shower already and just knowing like, oh, okay, like I get to sleep and I still got to watch this play out tomorrow. And like, I have my sleeping bag and like I'm under t the table, Chris, like, I wouldn't have had it any other way. I like made the most of it. And I was just like super, super grateful for the whole thing from hour to zero to hour 39. So the um, ultimate question that I have then is, would you play again? I, I think Julie asked that question in the chat. I didn't- Yeah, Julie asked answer, earlier, but... would you play another LRG? I would play another LRG if the timing were right. And the thing that comes up for me, and this is why I think I have SNY at such a, you know, a very special place in my heart. I would play another LRG again, but I would have to know that the production value, just in terms of the casting, did everything it could to make it a as safe and representative space for people of color playing it, right? And I think that's the one thing that comes up for me where this game could have played so many different ways, but I think knowing that the casting initiative was as close to the 50% BIPOC as Real Survivor does, like that's the thing I would have to like, if I was ever doing any casting interview, I probably would ask any LRG organizer or coordinator, like what's your practices to ensure that this is as representative for anyone who's playing it and no one that's coming in is at a disadvantage because they're coming from a marginalized community or they're coming into a space where it's like, predominantly white and you know what is your casting team doing to to make sure there's as much representation as possible and so for me like especially coming from a background where i work with and i support black and brown youth as a college counselor like those are the conversations i have with my students in terms of thinking about college spaces that are the right fit for you that's the same thing how i would approach a, coming into another allergy like what's your production crew doing to ensure that this is at least 50% BIPOC and that there can be representation in this game. The one thing I will add, and I'll toot both your horns here, 
I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this for Survivor in New York. I I would hope that someone's watching our season and saying, "Wow, like they got that casting right." There's someone that looks like me on that show, and I, I want to apply, and I want to see if I can get into that too. Um, so it's all to say that's my that's my Yule Kwan coming out. Um, <laughs> I would definitely play again if the conditions were right. I I think you mentioned something that I do think is really important um, and very important for everybody is that you are definitely listen. These games are not run by like CBS. These games are not run by anybody important. You are totally well within your rights to say to somebody, "Hey, who, like." are you doing everything you can to ensure that I'm not going to be the only person there of whatever demographic? Um, I think it's valid for women to say, Hey, are you going to ensure that this is a cast with an, you know, an equal gender balance? And so if you feel like you want to speak up, I think people should speak up if they ever want to play a game. It's totally valid. People have done it to us before in, in casting interviews and they're absolutely right to, you know? And I definitely remember feeling that sense from when you interviewed me, Naomi. And I remember, I think that was one of the, the, the interview responses that I gave in terms of why should we take a chance on Edsel? Like, if you want someone from my background who's going to represent this community, and again, this was prior to like Erica winning and representing like the Filipino Canadian community. Like, for me, I was like, wow, like that is in your right to express that and put that out there where like this is important to me in terms of what I wanted in my experience and what I'm looking for. Can your production team match that? Or what will you need to do to make sure you cast as as representative as you can for for people that look like me? And so I, I appreciate that validation, Naomi Chris. Chris, yeah. what else is on your mind? No, just a lot of deep thoughts. I'm really happy to hear you say all of that because that's really what that season was like about, you know, especially with, you know, the initiative that CBS put forward and then, you know, going to season six, we had that same initiative to try our best to do that. And I think going forward, that's a lot of, that's a lot of LRG's minds. Um, but to switch it back to you, um, what, what, what was your favorite moment from the entire season? It's definitely, there's, there's three things that come to my mind. It's at least what we've seen so far. First one was definitely winning or having that hero moment of winning the immunity challenge at round four. I And I was saying this a little bit, I think earlier where, wow, like I don't get to have too many organic hero moments in my everyday life like that and doing something that life or death at that point sure it's like throwing a beanbag but like it means a lot and so that's something i appreciated the second moment for sure had to be of course just being blindsided for production and just feeling like wow like i still have some influence in this season as the first member of the jury and like how timing worked out that like this fell on my lap and it and anything that happened prior to it that could have been different i would not have gotten that opportunity and so that was something I really, truly appreciated. And every time I walked into tribal council and just being the first member of the jury and, and having the people behind me, it just felt very special. And I was like, wow, this could have been taken away from me. I could have just driven home and not have had to go through the hurricane. But it was the best blindside and the best surprise and probably one of the best things that happened to me in 2021, for sure. The third moment, and this was featured in last week's episode, just walking in, and just everyone just giving me a round of applause for like, whoa, he's the first member of the jury. 
And like, I'll never forget that because for me, it just felt like, wow, like I feel really validated and appreciated. And like, I am part of this community. And like, I get this experience that the other pre-mergers don't. And, and this actually would have been like my, 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 my mayor of Ponderosa outfit. I would have walked in there with it. I was like, it might be too much, but like, I was just happy that I had that experience of like, wow, like I'm coming into the space. And just like everyone's giving me a round of applause and I feel super, super welcome to be here. And like it's this, I'm still having a part of the story and, and Bannerman, Bannerman Island playing some element in this, in this jury experience. Those three things, when I look back on that weekend, in addition to like the real life friendships I made with everyone I mentioned, those are the things I take away with me from that weekend in 2021. And like, I even still like, it brings me joy thinking about it and talking about it to this day. Me too. We're so happy that you were here. I, I like I know Chris for sure. Like <laughs> coaches remember when Erica brought it home. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Alex, I love how many times you mentioned Bannerman Island in your confessionals. You really sold us on like the the, the power of Bannerman Island compels you. Like <laughs> yes. No, I love it. I think I, I and that's one thing I appreciated about the the Kai and Gary recap a couple of weeks ago where they were like Edsel speaking really smartly about Bannerman Island and like that's a dark horse edit right there and I was very appreciative of just maybe being like one of the the main narrators of like this twist as like the season long theme behind the season and again I'm, I think when I look back on the season and I, and I say it and I mention it especially in my questioning at the final tribal like this is our season and this is the story and this is the twist and you know this is so from a game production design it's so well designed in terms of like, wow like you never know what's going to function up and you can never fully have a guarantee on like what's coming into the game but it's something i appreciated and just knowing that like this was the thing that connects me to like the main storyline on the jury, I was like, wow, like I'm out of the game, but I still have some influence. And like, it's cool that Bannerman, Bannerman's Island just had this overarching presence over the entire season. It's, it's really fun to watch and really had really fun to be part of. Ed, I feel like you need to go to Bannerman's Island just to complete I know. <laughs> your journey. Wait, we'll in life. Yes. At some point you need to go there and I will gladly go with you. Yes. Um, but you need to go there. I would be humbled. No, I think I'm, I'm going to take you up on that, Chris. And if it's one thing that I'm, I'm going to say here, and hopefully someone's watching this and someone gets inspired by it, like Bannerman's Island and just being part of that experience for that weekend and just everything I gained out of it, it was worth the seventh placement. Like, and it was just worth the, the overall experience and just, going through everything to get to that point. Like I would do it all over again. And like just the things that I gained out of it from like the friendships and the memories and just the overall experience. Like, I think I really owe it at some point in this year, probably in the summer, maybe I'll commemorate the two year mark of it. Like probably visiting Bannerman Island and kind of just having that like, whoa, this is like my Fiji. And this is like, this is where it all started. And it's, <laughs> it's really cool. I'll probably, I'll probably do it at some point. This is my Fiji. This is super well, fun. That's the episode um, title. <laughs> I know, right? Um, well, I just want to let everybody know what's coming up on the Survivor New York Spectrum. 
the 16th, 16th <coughs> recap podcast with the amazing Liska and Billy from season four of Striver New York Veterans versus Contenders joining Mark and Davey here on Silent Podcasts. Um, we will then have an exit interview with the player voted out in episode seven coming very soon. We just got to get that on the schedule, but that's happening this week as well. And then the 17th episode eight is coming out. We are almost, Chris, I, can you believe that we're almost done with this season? I feel like that's kind of crazy. It is so crazy. <laughs> I cannot believe that we are almost done. But I want to say thank you to everybody who's in the chat, all of our alumni, our friends, um, anybody who watches this season along. Uh, I cannot implore you enough, if you are watching this video, please comment on the YouTube videos. It is like one of the number one ways that we get recommended to other people is if there are comments on YouTube, if there's engagement. So please leave a comment. Who's your favorite? Who do you think is going to win? All that good stuff. Um, Edsel, thank you for being here. We get to see, there's so many more great, you know, face reactions on the jury and you'll even get to ask a question. So this is not the last you will see of Edsel. No, I'm still in for a couple more episodes, but <laughs> it's great. For being here. <laughs> I, I really appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you to the right. both of you. I really appreciate it. Say goodnight, Chris. Good night. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.